Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. Over the past decades, there's clearly been a dramatic increase in the amount of time people spend online using social networking sites. For instance, Facebook and Instagram have literally billions of users. At the same time, there's been a rise in mental health issues for young people from teens through their mid-20s. The rise in these issues has been seen particularly for millennials and the I generation, both of which grew up with increased access to and use of social networking sites. As a result, some have drawn the conclusion that perhaps the two are linked and the rise in mental health issues is linked causally to the increase in time spent online, and so treatment should involve reducing social networking use. But some research has pointed to ways in which social networking use might be a positive force in mental health. So what does the research show overall, and how should these questions be addressed going forward? Dr. Chiara Timpano, Associate Professor at the University of Miami Department of Psychology, and Dr. Courtney Beard, Co-Director of the Clinical Research Program in Behavioral Health at McLean Hospital and Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, reviewed the literature. They wrote a prospective paper in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology titled Social Networking and Mental Health, Looking Beyond Frequency of Use and Towards Mechanisms of Action. Dr. Timpano, when you looked at the literature, what were some of your overarching takeaways? So so the first is that uh, there's no clear consensus in how researchers are defining social media use. I think the vast majority of individuals are still just kind of honing in And the key operationalization that they're using is frequency of use. But there's tremendous variability across studies. Um, Some people uh, look at motivations for use. Some people, you know, look at the kind of type of use. Some people use a one-item self-report measure to ascertain this. Other people are using these kind of more extensive uh, surveys to try to track things. So there's just tremendous variability in that part. The other piece is that there's a lack of experimental studies. And then the final uh, problem is, is that there's a lack of longitudinal research, particularly longitudinal research that focuses on different Uh, cohorts of participants. So the punchline of all of that is that there's a challenge in, you know, making sure that we're all talking about the same thing. (laughs) And then more uh, kind of, I guess, acutely, it, it hinders our ability to really hone in on potential mechanisms which then contributes to this lack of a a comprehensive model of 
what's the good and what's the bad related to social networking and how does that play out with regard to specific mental health outcomes that we'd be most interested in. What did this lead you to outline as a strategy going forward? I think that we need to have better and more established methods for getting at the different types of usage. So as an example, right, uh, you know, people talk about being like Facebook stalkers, right? They're, they're just like in the background and they're, they're looking at all these different posts, but they're, they're not engaging. Uh, they're not actually connecting with any other users. That is something that we would refer to as passive use. But, th- but there's many other different types of use, right? There's the, the people who just jump in all the time. There's the, there's the type of use where you're, you're not being uh, fully genuine with your experience. And so there's many different ways that individuals are engaging with these uh, social networking sites. The, the usage patterns, I think, will also be very interesting about how people are engaging across time. Are there specific patterns of engagement that may be linked to specific motivations that individuals have for, for using uh, social networking sites? What do you mean? What's an example of that? Well, you know, like if you're, if you're using it because you feel lonely and you're, you're trying to, you know, find maybe a group of, of individuals who you feel a little bit more connection with than you do in your day-to-day life. That would be a very different kind of motivation to use than uh, if you're an influencer on Instagram, <laughs> uh, where then your usage is really focused on kind of monetary gains and then status gains. That's just two examples. There's many, many others that we could consider. And so I think more research to try to tease that apart, which are the motivations that are perhaps most strongly linked to uh, mental health outcomes, which ones maybe are more protective. Um, I think this provides a really nice opportunity to kind of frame things, not just from a deficit model, but also from kind of a more positive uh, or coping type of model, where what are the things that are good about social networking site? That example that I used about individuals seeking groups that they may be fit better with, that's been something that's been hinted at in, in a couple of studies is actually being really protective and a, and a huge positive. You and your colleague, Dr. Beard, discuss the fact that there's a dearth of mechanistic studies to understand the link between social media use and mental health outcomes. What would a mechanistic study look like? Well, so, you know, we could randomize individuals into some form of kind of experimental condition. So there are definitely like a number of studies that, that are starting to think along this. Uh, there was one example that we, we talk about in the paper where individuals were encouraged to quit Facebook for a week, um, whereas some individuals just kept using Facebook as regular and as usual. And the study then examined how that change in behavior might have implications for overall mood at the end of this one week break, and then trying to understand how that link with mood might lead to downstream, you know, mental health outcomes. So that that would be an example of an experimental study. The other piece, though, related to experimental and prospective studies that Courtney and I really highlighted is that 
we also have to move beyond self-report studies. And we have to start to think through different objective measures for use and really kind of using the technology advances that we have to try to understand the impact of social networking, site engagement, um, and its relationship to mental health. So, you know, there's there's a plethora of things that we could look at with regard to that, like like passive data collection in apps, using different types of ecological momentary assessment, perhaps kind of language processing. There's a lot of things that are happening within the field of machine learning that I think make that feasible and, and a really exciting time for us to be able to conduct this type of research. And so how could better research into this link influence treatment? I think it's not just the type of social media use that we need to be looking at, but also specific relationships between those specific types of media use and specific forms of psychopathology. So what's true for social anxiety might not be true for um, you know, somebody who has substance use disorder or somebody who struggles with OCD, for example. Um, so, so we also need to be careful about making kind of blanket assumptions. But I think one of the most exciting things is if we harness the, the kind of power that a strong theoretical model, the foundation that that would provide us, and we combine that with advances in technology in how we study these things, not just relying on self-report, but, but using more objective measures and, and then building on existing models of, of what we know is important for understanding and preventing and treating psychopathology. I think it's a really exciting time. And, it, you know, you can see downstream that we would have the potential to do things like personalized intervention approaches uh, or precision medicine, where it, it is very specific to that individual based on the things that they're struggling with, how they're engaging and why they're engaging with social media and, and how we can potentially help with that to try to mitigate any sort of uh, long-term negative ramifications. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com slash NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.